All right. Well, welcome to the very, very first Watson CPA Group podcast. We have absolutely no idea what we're doing. It's true. No clue. We're recording stuff. We know what we're talking about because we're smart. But when it comes to wires and microphones and all that stuff, no clue. So hopefully this goes well. Joey, you feeling good? I am feeling good. We talked about um, names earlier during our test run. So we're going to go with Joseph today, right? Yeah, let's do it. A little more professional. Joey's a part of the family, so we call him Joey. But when he's Joey the professional, he's Joseph. When he's behind the mic, he's he's Joseph. When he's rocking the mic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, my name is Jason Watson, Watson CPA Group. Uh, Manda Rolls. Hello. Is with us, business development extraordinaire, and Joey, Joseph, sorry, God, that's going to slip out a lot. Okay. Uh, Joseph is um, a tax accountant for us in Pod C and also on the business development team. Yes. Uh, our podcast today, we're going to just kind of run through how we, I guess, launch an S-corporation, if that should be in the cards. And we'll talk about that as well, when an S-corp makes sense and when it doesn't make sense and all those things. Um we all have our little cheat sheet here, so we'll be able to hopefully stay on task. We'll try. So, <laughs> so let's, um, you know, the very first thing we have to look at is the entity itself, right? So, you know, Joseph, talk to me a little bit about location. Like when you're on the phone with somebody and they're like, hey, I got this really cool business idea and I want to launch an entity. What's, what's some of the considerations for location? Well, depending on the state, you know, some states S corp, you know, it's just it has no meaning to them. You know, they they treat you just like a corporation. So, you know, if if you're in New York City, Tennessee is one too. Uh, New Hampshire has one too. Then maybe an S corp doesn't make sense because all the savings. Well, before we get that far, sorry, let me just kind of tee it up, up a little differently. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I'm yeah, I'm just I'm ready to <laughs> just, go. Yeah, ready yeah. to jump into why New York City, Tennessee, and New Hampshire uh, kind of stink. When it comes to S-Corps. Yeah. Um, but someone will call you up and they'll go, hey, you know, I live in California, but don't tell anybody. But I want to enti- I want to form my entity in Nevada because right. I heard they have really good rules and no taxes. And then I'll say, hey, do you work in Nevada? Right. <laughs> Which you'll so when say. we're looking at location, what's what's some of your you know, questions? Right. Well, the first one, you know, being where is the work being formed? Okay. So, so where's your butt? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Their, yeah. their physical nexus, what we would call it, or, or where's your butt? You know, e- yeah. either one works for that one. <laughs> the technical term. Yes. And then there's also, you know, the economic nexus. So, so, you know, some states will come after you if you're doing a certain amount of business in their state, like California. You know, they've got that bright line nexus. And then some states will just have a pleasure doing business in our state tax, too. Yeah. So, yeah. so before we get into tax, we're just talking about nexus, right? So some states will say, hey, you're located here. Your butt's here. You're doing all the work here. We need you to register here. So, Amanda, let's, let's ask you this question. Let's say somebody insists on being a Nevada corporation, but their butt and their work <laughs> and everything is done in California. What happens then? Well, we'll go ahead and we'll do it if they really insist, but we're probably going to have to file as a foreign entity where they are as well. They're okay. going to have to have both. Okay, what's a foreign entity? It sounds like... Like international right alien yeah so a foreign entity just means that the corporation or the llc 
is domesticated somewhere else. So in this case, the scenario we just came up with, Nevada, but they're doing business somewhere else. They have employees somewhere else. So they're going to have to register as a foreign entity with that other state, meaning that the business already exists in another state, but we're also going to get permission to transact in this other state. Okay, cool. What are some examples that we see every day who has to do that? Most of the time, like Joey said, Joseph, it's uh, California because yeah. California but has a what, lot of... What oh. kind of businesses do you see every day that have to do that, you think? Oh, goodness. I'm what thinking Walmart, Best Buy. Yes. Whole Amazon. Foods. Yeah. yeah, maybe not so much Amazon. Well, probably Amazon now because they got warehouses everywhere and they're doing enough business everywhere. But I mean, Best Buy, right? Great mm-hmm. example. Walmart, great example. Walmart, based in Arkansas, as far as I know. Okay, mm-hmm. Apple, based in California, as far as I know. But they have to register in every state. Because they do business in every state. Yep. Whether it's physical with bricks and mortar or whether it's economic. And we'll talk about that here in a second. So, yeah. So, certainly, if someone says, hey, I want to register in Nevada. That's where I want my entity domiciled. That's fine. We can still do that. And there might be legal reasons why they want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting some advice from uh, an attorney who says, hey, you know, based on your type of business, the laws are going to favor your business better in Nevada. So when you draft contracts, make sure that you say, hey, any adjudication will be done in Nevada. Make sure you try to absorb lawsuits in Nevada, et cetera, et cetera, even though you're doing business in California. You know, unlike Walmart, let's say, who if somebody gets hurt in Walmart in Colorado, Walmart's probably going to be sued in Colorado. You're not flying to Bentonville, Arkansas to get your sprained ankle adjudicated. So, well, we hope not. Yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're looking at location. And that's a big deal because a lot of people think they can just file anywhere. Uh, Delaware and Nevada have just taken a cake on good advertising. Mm-hmm. Hey, register your business here. We have friendly business courts, all that stuff. Eh, it doesn't always work out the way people want, but if they're getting legal advice from somebody else saying, hey, it's best to be in Nevada or Delaware, sometimes a venture capitalist, especially like international domestic capitalists, will say, I only invest in Delaware C corporations. Mm-hmm. Okay, crud. So I guess we're going to do a Delaware C corp, even though I'm in California doing this thing. You know, so sometimes... Right, the golden rule, right? He who has the gold makes the rules. Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> if we have a venture capitalist with a big fat check and they're like, well, you're going to be a Delaware Corp. Well, I guess you're a Delaware Corp and all of a sudden you're going to have to also do a foreign filing in right. California or wherever the work is going to be done. So that's physical location. Let's talk about this economic stuff, Joey. What do you got over there? Back how, to you. how can you get tripped up on economic nexus? Gosh, just the pronunciation of it or just uh, the entire thing, really. Uh, <laughs> economic nexus. Okay, I got it. So really, that's kind of be where you're, you know, performing the work or, you know, where you have ties to the state. So you might not actually, you know, physically have your butt there. But, you know, if you're working remotely in another state. You know, okay, so, what are, so how do they measure that? It, it's sales. It, yeah. Where the money right? is, right? It's sales, payroll, and... Um, and property. Those mm-hmm. are the three apportionment rules that we typically go with, right? Revenue is typically the one that everyone gets tri- tripped up on. And do you know what those are at all, at the top of your head? For California? Or just for most states. <laughs> most states follow the same rule, the 500,000. Oh, right? it's all the same. Yeah, it's 500,000. Yeah. Typically. Every, every state's going to have a little different action on this. But if you have, if let's say Watson CPA Group is in Colorado, and we have over 500,000 worth of revenue in California, now we trip their economic nexus 
acquire and we have to file there as a foreign entity. Right. So 500,000 gross revenue, doesn't matter if you have 500,000 expenses, it's not 500,000 net income. Oh, bummer. Okay, yeah, bummer. The other thing is, this is where you can really get in trouble, is there's also another rule where if 25%, and using California because they're easy to pick on and they're, I don't know, like bigger than most European countries in GDP. Uh, so if you have 25% of your revenue sourced to California, so let's say you have 100,000 in total your revenue for your business, and 40,000 of that's coming from California while your butt's in, let's say, Colorado, you will have California income tax nexus. So it's 500,000 or 25%. So anyway, so we talked about location, right? Physical location, venture capitalist type stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have a legal reason to be somewhere else. Totally cool. Um, now we have this economic thing. And economic nexus, you know, we tend to do that looking in the rearview mirror. Meaning, let's not just jump out and file in California until we actually have the right. the, the, the 500,000 or the 25%. Why, why create a headache that doesn't exist, right? Yeah. You have plenty of headaches on your own as a business <laughs> owner. Let's not add to them, right? So anyway, that's location. Uh, talk to me, um, Amanda, a, a little bit about the differences between an LLC and a corporation in terms of the formation paperwork. Sure. In terms of maybe um, some of the terminology as well. Sure. So some of the basic differences um, would be that an LLC typically is formed through articles of organization with your secretary of state, whereas a corporation is formed through articles of incorporation. It's a small difference, but it does make a difference. Um, an LLC can be dis uh excuse me, can be taxed as a disregarded entity, meaning it can be reported on Schedule C of your personal tax return. Right? Correct. So a single member LLC automatically is considered right. disregarded. Mm -hmm. Disregarded by the IRS means there's no separate tax return. Right. It's still going on to a schedule, mm -hmm. but it's not going to have its own entity so, or right. its own tax return. Whereas a corporation is going to have to have Boom. a separate tax return. Done. Yep. Can't avoid it. Yes. Okay, so LLC versus corporation. A lot of people think LLC means corporation too, right? right. You hear that all the time. I have a, a limited liability corporation. No, no, no. It's company. Right. Now, we tease lawyers out there um, that LLC stands for lawyer's likely choice, right? <laughs> um, but it, it is a really um, nimble entity mm -hmm. structure. Um, so we have LLC corporation. LLC has members. Yes. Okay. We sometimes will call them um, partners simply because if you have more than one member, you're filing a partnership tax return. Um, depending on your state. Depending on your state. Yes. We'll talk about that in a second too. All kinds of good stuff. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. A little foreshadowing to the community property That's laws. Right. Precursor. Yes. Born out of Spanish law for those really want to geek out on it. <laughs> um, so LLCs have members, corporations have shareholders, LLCs have articles of, I'm sorry, yeah, articles of formation. Or organization. Or organization. Mm -hmm. Corporations have articles of incorporation. We have, what's some of the other like governing, you know, documents, differences? What do you got? Operating agreements. Bylaws. For, bylaws for mm -hmm. corporations. corporations. Mm -hmm. And then operating agreements, typically then for LLCs or Okay. Yep. I agree with all that stuff. Um, when would somebody want to be a corporation over an LLC? Joey, what do you think? Uh, it depends. And we're uh, talking about just a garden variety corp 
so, so no S election, mm -hmm. talking about a garden variety LLC, where are some of the differences or why do you think someone might be a corporation? So uh, California brings one to mind too, you know, they, well, for, if we're talking about the S or not, because they, you know, have the possibility to elect out of state disability insurance. Right. So let's kind of give everybody a little bit of, oh. yeah, a little bit of, you know, landscape there. So California, New Jersey, a few other states have this thing called SDI, state disability insurance. Sometimes mm -hmm. you see family leave insurance as well, FLI, you see that occasionally. Um, so if you're just a normal W-2 employee, you have to pay SDI in California? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you opt out of it as an owner? And what was the answer again? Yes, officers of corporation can. Okay. So what if I take my LLC and have it taxed as a corporation? Am I now an officer who can opt out of SDI in California? No. 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 So there are some subtle differences there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So these are little tiny things that we need to just make sure that we're exact on, right, as, mm -hmm. as folks call up. But back to the question about um, why we might want to have a corporation instead of an LLC, depending on your state and the type of business you do, you may need to have a professional services corporation. Right. A lot of times we see that with licensed professions such as CPAs, medical doctors, um, attorneys, things yep. like that. So. Totally. No, you're right. And we'll get to that in one second. Um, another thing about corporations is just because of what's funding it, right? Mm -hmm. You might have a situation where someone took a 401k and they're using that to fund their new business venture, right. that has to be in a corporation. So they take their 401k from their old job, they transfer it to another 401k trustee, and that trustee then directs that 401k to purchase all the shares of this burgeoning C-Corp, and boom, we got a business funded by a 401k from a previous job. That has to be a corporation. It cannot mm -hmm. be what we consider a disregarded or pass-through entity, which LLCs can be, so yeah. or. An attorney might be like, you have to be a corporation. That's the only way I'm going to sign off on this deal. Or, or, or the golden rule, back to the venture capitalist, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have some external factors that are going to dictate what, what the entity type will be. So, yep. All right. So Amanda alluded on professionals. Right. Are you a professional? I am not. You're not? Are you a professional? I, I consider myself a professional. <laughs> Come on, Amanda. We're all professionals, just not after five. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Amanda alluded to it earlier. So there's several professions, doctors, mm -hmm. okay, uh, lawyers at times, accountants at times, depending on the state, right. they will make you put a P in front of whatever entity type you are. Here in Colorado... Watson CPA Group, until recently, was a PLLC, a right. professional limited liability company. So even Colorado thinks we're professionals. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> um, and in California, this exact same accounting firm would have to be a what? A PC. Mean, a PC, right? Mm -hmm. Professional corporation. So anyway, yep, those are, uh, and that's going to be totally dictated, not totally, but typically dictated to the Secretary of State by the licensing board. Mm -hmm. State Board of Accountancy, State Board of Medicine. You know, here we have the Supreme Court. That is what governs Colorado attorneys, Colorado Supreme Court, not the okay. US Supreme Court. So, all right, so we might have to create a professional corporation or a professional LLC. So all these entities can be taxed as an S corporation, can they not? They can. They can, yeah. So we're good. Um, if we have two members in an LLC, now what happens? 
Joey. Mm, depends. It depends. Okay. I could say that all day. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's on uh, your chin, too. Yeah. To look uh, off in a distance, even though you have the answer. That's right. Um, <laughs> it depends how you're trying to split the profits, because in an S-Corp, they've got Well, before be, we get that far, that's crazy talk. I mean, that's good talk, but that's way ahead right now. We're going to start so, an LLC. Yeah. Just talk about what happens instantly when you add a member oh, to your right. LLC. Yeah. So if we're talking LLC, once you add a member, you automatically become a multi-member LLC. So you automatically have to require a 1065. Which is a? To, which is a partnership Partnership return. return, right. You know, obviously depending on which state you're in and who that member is. Though. Okay, let's talk about that for, for a second. So people commonly will come to us and say, hey, my, myself and my spouse created an LLC for our rental. Mm-hmm. Okay, no big deal. What happens though? So we have now a multi-member LLC. Right. The IRS says now this is a partnership. Okay. Must file a partnership tax return, which is a form 1065, as Joey said. But but it depends. So let's talk about why it depends. Tell me about when you can get away with filing your multi-member LLC on a Schedule C or Schedule E. So if you are in those community property, excuse me, common law, Spanish community property, community property, it's one of those, uh, the Spanish law states, um, then you can choose to be a multi-member LLC or a single member LLC if you and your spouse own it jointly. Right. Because in those states, you and your spouse are one person. Okay. I agree. Alaska, are they community property? I, uh, it's up to, I think you can make the election. You make the election. Okay. All right. Well. Alaska notwithstanding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to Let's say. just kind of run through the the states. We have Washington, mm-hmm. then we have California all the way through Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So basically every state that borders Mexico because mm-hmm. community property comes right. from Spanish, Spanish law. law. Yes. Idaho just felt pressure from its buddies. Mm-hmm. You know, so Idaho, so we got Washington, Idaho, California through Arkansas, and then we got Wisconsin which is my home state. I don't have <laughs> any clue why they're a community property state. You know, they vote chose blue all different. the time, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah, they chose to be different. So those are um, the states where you can be a multi-member LLC yet elect to have it um, file as if it was a single-member LLC. If owned jointly by your spouse. Jo- yes. yes, yes. Um, thank you. And that's going to go on Schedule C or Schedule E. Now, you could also file as a partnership return. Nothing says you can't. Why would you think you'd want to file an entity as a partnership, even though you might have the option to not? What do you think? Well, do you have any ideas? Well, I mean, one thing, the partnership does give more structure too. So okay. you know, within the operating agreement, you can arrange how you want things to be handled. You know, sure. what percentage you want one person to get versus another person. Typically so, your spouse though is not gonna, you know, you. Typically. So he might be viewed as one right. at home, and <laughs> not just legally. But what you know, think about audit rate. True, yeah. Okay, the, so what, what's the audit rate of a partnership return versus an S-corp versus a Schedule C or Schedule E 1040 tax return? You, do you know right. off the top of your head? Uh, an S-corp is like 0.4%. It is, yeah, 0.4. Yeah, and where? Partnership, want to guess? More than that. 0. 0.4. 0. 0.4, okay. Yeah, so both of those pass through tax returns have enjoy, if you will, I guess, enjoy is a good word, mm-hmm. uh, a similar audit rate risk. Um, that 
say, so you you have a rental, let's say, with a bunch of travel, auto expense, and all that stuff. You mm-hmm. know, um, the Expenses. partnership return is going to enjoy a 0.4 percent audit rate. Whereas if you put that onto a Schedule C or Schedule E with those big low-hanging fruit categories right. like travel, auto, you know, all those things the IRS hates, right? Maybe your audit rate risk jumps up. Not saying that we're doing anything incorrect, not saying that you don't have the documentation to back it up and all that stuff, but why defend your innocence if you can just maybe do a tax return that cuts the chances of being scrutinized down from, let's say, 2 or 3% to 0.4%. Yeah. That's a big deal, right? So even though you might be in Washington, Idaho, California, through Arkansas and Wisconsin, you might still want to file a 1065 tax return, a partnership tax return for your multi-member LLC, even um, with your wife or your husband, simply because you just want less scrutiny. Right. Yeah. yeah Makes fair sense enough. to me. And, you know, if you look at the cost of that, um, let's say our fee is 800 bucks, you know, that's 2019 in case somebody listens to this like right. 20 years later. And <laughs> quotes Only are, $800. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Used to cost an arm, not an arm and a leg. But uh, we, um, you know, that might be cheap insurance for some, you know, for, you know, for some yeah. folks who don't want to have the scrutiny. And, you know, some people are once bitten, twice shy. They're like, ah, I've been audited. That was a nightmare. You know, I came out of it okay, but it was like days of anxiety, you know, yeah. so. You can either pay us or pay your therapist to get over it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So that's cool. Um, when would we want to add in other members? When do we want to add our spouse? Do you have any yeah, suggestions yeah. there? Uh, spouse, children. Um, so the spouse um, adding them in would definitely be if you know if we want to open a four hundred one k for them. You know if they if they need earned wages. You can simply for hire that. them though, right? You wouldn't necessarily have to put them on as a, a part unless because you, you could just run payroll on them if you wanted. Oh, adding a member. Yeah. Oh. So not really. Yeah. Think not about hiring. the payroll aspect. Yeah. There's not a lot of good reasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a trick question. Sorry for stumping you, Joey. I was like, am I supposed to know this one? Yeah. Um, There's a whole concept called charging orders. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when you have two members, let's say Joey and I are in business together and Joey does some nefarious things, which you're prone to do. Joey. No, Jason. No, you're not. No. The whole world's seen this. (laughs) I suggest coming clean now. No. Uh, so Joey does some things that gets him in trouble, financial trouble, and he gets sued and he loses and he gets a judgment against his interest in the LLC. Well, I shouldn't necessarily get penalized for Joey's bad deeds. So I can go down or I should say the person who holds the judgment on Joey would go down and get charging orders, meaning, OK, look, when distributions are given out, I'm going to take my share in lieu of Joey's judgment, and that's not gonna affect me. Right. Um, and there might be some other reasons along those lines. Some attorneys, like here in Colorado, some attorneys will build LLCs between husbands and wives as seven, uh, sorry, 8119, 81, whoever's the primary operator, and 19 being the, the, the supplemental investor or member of the LLC. Just to create an extra layer to their onion make it a little bit more challenging, if you will, to maybe get a judgment against one of the members over the other, you know, you know, that stuff is legalese. We don't, we're not attorneys. We right. just, 
are, are parroting what we've heard other attorneys say, but at the same time, those are some reasons why you might want to add a spouse just because the lawyer thinks it's the best idea for whatever work that company is going to be doing. So, um, adding children, right? We can certainly start to build a legacy. We can certainly start to transfer our legacy to our children sooner by having them be members, members now. Um, same with um, your parents. You know, we can we can do that as well, right? We can say, hey, you know, mom, instead of me making $1,400 to give you $1,000, let's make you a member of my business as a you know passive investor, completely legitimate, all that stuff, and we'll just pay you distributions. Now you're only gonna be taxed at your tax rate. I'm not having to pay taxes on money just to give it to you. So those are some of the, the reasons why. Um, we, uh, we only got a few minutes here. Let's, let's quickly run through Joey, some of the benefits of um, of an S corporation. So we're you're making the assumption that this LLC now is is operating in in let's say it's just a, a single member LLC, just a, a consultant engineer doing and, his own and not thing. in California and not in California. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh come on, California's all right. We love California. So tell me. When you're just a garden variety LLC, how are you taxed? So you're taxed at two levels. Obviously, there's two. Two, yeah. Is there an echo on this? Yeah. There's. Uh, <laughs> sounds terrible. You're taxed for your income, but you also have to pay that self-employment tax, which can what is really self-employment tax you speak of. The self-employment tax I speak of is uh, not only your share as the employee of Social Security and Medicare, but you also play the employer share of Social Security and Medicare, and you know it's fifteen point three percent. And it's based off the net income of your Schedule C. Okay, so your LLC makes a hundred grand. Yep. And your good money. and let's say you're in the twenty-two percent tax bracket for income tax. What's going to be your essential marginal tax on your business then? Twenty-two plus fifteen. You're saying that we would have thirty-seven point three percent taxes. So I make a hundred thousand dollars. I have to pay thirty-seven. Yeah, you thousand know, dollars of that in taxes. It's the cost of being your own boss. I'm going to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> that was some quick. Canada's got to be better. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> but Sorry, Canada. Colder. We love you too. But, but uh, I mean, the yes. S corp does help to. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. So, so that's the the problem, though, right. with an LLC. Is your tax at two levels, like you said. So. Um, Income tax is unavoidable, right? I think you said it before in one of your videos, even right, where he's right. like, hey, how do you avoid income tax? Well, you can work less, you can spend more. Work less or spend more. It doesn't sound like that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, We always want to make more and spend less, right? So, okay, income tax is going to go up. Um, but how does, let's say we take, now we'll get into the meat of the argument. Let's say we do take this LLC and we want to have a tax as an S corporation. So real, real fast, Amanda, oh boy. does an S corporation exist? No. Can I go to the Secretary of State and say, I want to file articles of S incorporation? No, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Okay. So it's a tax election. It is. Right? So we take an underlying entity, LLC, um, LLC, and the corporations Corporation. are probably 90% of the 
S corporations that you mm-hmm. see out there, right? Okay, so Joey, tell me about this hundred thousand dollar example now. So before you told me I was going to pay thirty seven point three percent, which is right, which is um, you know fifteen point three plus the marginal rate of twenty two percent. How does it change with an S corp? So with an S corp, you actually only have to pay you know the self employment tax portion on the amount that we deem your reasonable compensation. Okay. So if you have the hundred thousand and we determine that forty thousand is your reasonable compensation, then you okay. only have to pay that self employment tax on that forty thousand. But the hundred thousand, like we said, is still subject to that income tax. Correct. Okay. So income tax still remains unavoidable unless you spend spend more or work less. Or work less, yeah. Both not desirable. So right. okay. So you said um, self-employment tax what is that in like payroll land so self-employment tax and payroll land is we kind of say them interchangeably but you know it's it's going to be social security and medicare you know 6.2 percent for social security and then 1.5 for medicare 1.45 yep Mm -hmm. yeah so combined that 7.65 on both halves the employee and employer that's where your 15.3 comes from so yeah so when we pay a salary of that forty thousand, we're still paying i'm gonna do air quotes for those listening <laughs> we're still paying self-employment taxes we uh we will we just call them something different we call them social security and medicare taxes sure. mm-hmm. okay so that's the forty thousand. how about this other 60 grand that you take out we call that a distribution and we got a lot more discussion about what that means <laughs> right oh, yeah but uh tell me how that sixty thousand dollars is going to be taxed so the sixty thousand is going to show up on your k-1 and you're going to actually report that on your personal return. So that's only going to be liable for income tax. Income tax. Okay. So the 60 grand, just so we can kind of like tie it all together, the 60,000 before S Corp was also subjected to the SE tax. Thanks. Correct. Plus the 40,000. We say, okay, let's S Corp this thing. Now we carve out a portion of the income that's going to be taxed at the two levels and then the rest of it's only going to be taxed at the income tax level. So, Joey, in your experience, let's say that $100,000 LLC, how much are they saving by doing this S-Corp? In your experience and what you've seen? Yeah, in my experience, um, it's usually you know around 8 to 10%. So, you 8 know, to 10%. So, eight, quick math, 8 so to 10% of 100000 is? 8 grand to 10 grand? 8 to 10 grand. Okay. Even in Canada, that well math done. still works. Yes. <laughs> CPA, right? <laughs> Certified public, uh, your private accounting. I, right. I don't want to do math in public. Uh, no. So anyway, so that's the benefit, right? And does that eight or nine, ten percent, or that eight to nine to ten percent translate into higher incomes? And the answer it doesn't, right? No. But we still have a lot of meat there on the bones. Like just real fast examples in our experiences because we do S corps all the way up to multi-millions. Right. We, we had one where they had a million dollars of net income all on Schedule C. We S-corped that individual. We still paid them 300, I think $300,000 as a reasonable salary, and they still saved $30,000. So what was that savings all, all based on? So they exceeded their social security right, wage. The, the Medicare savings. Medicare. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing that people don't realize sometimes that Medicare goes on forever. Not just forever, but forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. In their perpetuity, right? So that example, there was no social security savings, it was all a Medicare savings. But as we have learned and what we discussed is that a tiny number times a really big number. <laughs> 
you know, your three point, you know, or 2.9% plus the surtax in that right. particular case ends up being a lot of money. It yeah. adds up fast. I mean, yeah, three, yeah, exactly. 3% doesn't seem like a lot until you times it by a million dollars. Yeah. So anyway, uh, $30,000 savings for that individual. Um, you know, it, um, it's, it's your, I think, right, but also your obligation as a citizen to minimize tax, right? Yeah. And, and that was a good <laughs> example of how we did that. So anyway, what other benefits as we wrap it up we only got a couple of minutes left what other benefits do you guys see with having an s corporation well we talked about the lower audit rate yeah 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 and that is a tiny ancillary one off into the distance right so does this s corp give you new magical extra deductions unfortunately no unfortunately no can you do a 401k in an llc yes yes can you do a 401k in an s corp yes yes okay can you buy a car in your llc you think yes can you buy a, a car in your s corp yes okay all right home office mm-hmm. yes okay oh shoot I know. any deduction can you deduct business meals in your s corp yes yes okay how about your llc yes yes, okay. yes. so there's no other benefits you know, not really. Except for this eight or nine or ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, or maybe thirty thousand if you're in a higher bracket. Yeah. Plus, it just sounds cooler. It just sounds cooler. Yeah. yeah. You go to the parties. You're like, I have an S corp. And then the person goes, I have an LLC. You're like, mm. like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. No one wants to drive up to the party and say, I have a disregarded entity. Yeah. yeah. No, that just uh, doesn't work. It doesn't work. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We uh, kind of went through entity considerations, location, LLC versus corporation all that good stuff. And we also kind of touched on some of the benefits of S corporations. We're going to have other um, podcasts. One of the, the, the ones coming up is does an S corp make sense? And we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a different one. Um, how the formation works, how the S corp, I shouldn't say formation. How does the, how does the S corp election work? Election. How does a late S corp election? Oh, that's a good Man, one. How many late S corp elections did you, did you do this year? You think? Oh God, over a hundred, over a hundred. All right. So yeah, we do them a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's very common. People freak out in March. They yes. want to go back in time and engage in revisionist, revisionist history. So we can do that. So anyway, uh, thank you to all of our listeners. This is our very first podcast. God, I hope this works because we talked a lot of good stuff here. And I want to make sure this gets down on, yes. on tape. Uh, we're also videotaping this too. So we're going to wave to our Hello. YouTube viewers. And uh, we thank you for your time. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Oh, you know, I should probably do a, just a quick goodbye. You should. Jason Watson, Watson CPA Group, Amanda Rolls, and Joseph Bassett. And we thank you. Come visit us online, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, WCGinc.com. You can also download our book where we discuss a lot of this stuff. You can also give us a call. You can talk to Amanda. You can. You can talk to Joseph. You can talk Please to do. me. Um, you can also email us, and we'd be more than happy to help you out. So, all right. Thank you.